But we are also learning to see God as a tangible force in our lives. And oftentimes it takes the hard times to bring us to that point. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is one of the most misapplied verses in scripture. We know that all things work together to the good of those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And where we go wrong is the understanding of that word good. All things work together for good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. A lot of people see this good and they think of earthly good. They think of good in this life. They think of things that bring us pleasure and joy and comfort and peace in this life. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And so the implication there is if I love God, good things will happen to me. If I faithfully serve God, good things will happen to me. I'm faithful to God. I serve God. I love God. I read my Bible and pray every day, give my tithe to the church. I support Christian ministries, listen to Christian radio, watch Daystar and TVN, buy Christian books. I single-handedly tried to keep Lifeway in business. Okay, I mean, you know, we're basically good Christian folks. And so because of that, good things are supposed to happen to me. And so when I go to work and I get fired, well, that's just God working all things for my good. See, I have to be unemployed if I'm going to be available for this better job that's coming down the pipe, right? And then it doesn't materialize. What's going on here? You know, when, when, when we think about these things, if I'm a good Christian, God will hear my prayers, and I pray for things, I should get those things. And then, and then it doesn't happen. What's going on? Yeah. I'm, I don't tell you all what I do in my personal life a lot because I'm afraid you all think I'm silly. Well, you're going to think I'm silly anyway. I'm writing a book about this. And the first chapter is, My Bible Doesn't Work. That's the title of the first chapter, My Bible Doesn't Work. Because verses like this don't work for me. Do you know what happens when I get fired from a job? I go broke. Utilities get cut off. Things get repossessed. That's what happens when I lose a job. I don't get fired, and then a guy walks up with a six-figure job for me. Oh, you're unemployed. Here's a $100,000-a-year job. That doesn't happen to me. My Bible must be broke. I love God, right? Didn't work. What's going on here? Maybe we've misunderstood the good. The Bible also says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, I love God, maybe I'm not the called. Maybe that's the problem. The called. Who are the called? <clears throat> who are these people? You talk to a good Calvinist friend, he'll be like, those who were, who were uh, unconditionally chosen by God. Why did he choose me? I got left out of this equation. What's wrong with me? And so this interpretation is, good things happen to those whom God chooses to make good things happen to. And they say, well, you know, he'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy, and so on and so forth. What's wrong with me? Why don't I get the good treatment? When I was in fourth grade, I tried out for the UIL poetry team. <laughs> I don't know why. Um... I never got to read poetry to the class. You tried out by reading poetry. I didn't even get to read. I was just like, you, you don't make the team. <laughs> Why not? You know, I wasn't the called. And so the idea that a lot of people understand in Romans 8, 28 is that the closer you are to God, the better your life is. 
This not only violates the true meaning of the scripture, but it violates the very things that you observe in life. Let's be real about this. When things start to go wrong, you ever go to God in prayer? When things start to take a turn, you get back into church? What happens? Does it magically get better all of a sudden? No, a lot of times it continues to get worse, doesn't it? Some of the strongest Christians I know live in places where they're being persecuted. If they're such good Christians, why are they being killed for their faith? This, that interpretation that if I'm a good Christian that good things will happen to me and everything will work together to make good things happen to me, and, and we're talking about earthly things, that not only violates the scripture itself, but it violates, your, it violates reality. It violates what you see. And so either my Bible doesn't work or we've totally misinterpreted this thing. And I tell you, we've misinterpreted this thing because our Bible works. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It sits at an intersection of two passages. Brother Jim broke this down for us very nicely several weeks ago. But these two passages are chapter 8, verses 17 through 27, which talk about the glory to come, which talk about heaven, which talk about our ultimate destination being glorified in the kingdom of God. And verses 31 through 39, which talk about our suffering and our redemption. You see, God's ultimate plan is to redeem us from this world. Remember last week we talked about redeeming being a rescue. Our redeemer is our rescuer. To be redeemed means to be rescued. God's ultimate plan is to rescue us from this world. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to take the punishment for our sin, to pay the price for our sin, to clear us of that debt so that we could be eligible to go into heaven in the first place. He went to the cross in order to redeem us from this world. That's what sent him to the cross. And the reason Jesus is returning is to receive us to himself, to take us into his kingdom. The whole concept of the Bible, the whole concept of the gospel, God's mission is to redeem us, to rescue us from this world, and to bring us into his kingdom. That is the mission, that is the purpose, that is the plan, that is the destination. And therefore, God paid the price for our sins through Jesus Christ on the cross. He calls us to salvation. He saves us. And then he transforms us in preparation of the day that he receives us into his kingdom. And he works through the events of our lives to accomplish that goal. Can you look back on a thing right now that when you were going through it, it was something you would have never chosen for yourself? Can you look back on a time that you said, you know, when you were going through it, you wish it hadn't happened? But you can look back on that now and you can say, I'm glad that that happened because that brought me here. I mean, Rascal Flats has the broken road. God bless the broken road that brought me here to you, right? We understand this in the secular world. I asked Jessica one day, I can talk about her because she's not here. And I don't think she's going to download the audio of this sermon off of our website. I could be wrong. It probably will be this time. But... 
I asked Jessica, I said, let's go back to 1999 when we first met and we became engaged. If this fairy would have told you everything you were going to experience with me and everything we were going to go through, all the heartbreak and the trial and the tribulation, what would you do? She told me she'd shoot the fairy. <laughs> and I think that if that fairy had come to me and told me everything that I was going to go through, I don't think I'd have had the courage to go through. I don't think I'd have shot the fairy. <laughs> My wife and I are different, after all. But I don't know that I would have had the, the courage to go through with it. You see what I'm saying? Um, Brother Jim mentioned the gift of knowledge this morning and how we know in part and thank goodness and thank the Lord and thank God that we don't know everything. Because right. how horrible would that be to know the stuff? Yeah. There are things you just don't want to know, right? Yeah. And so... You know, but looking back on it now, I forgot where I was for a second. Looking back on that now, we can see how those events, those situations, some of it was pain and heartache, some of it was joy, but it all brought us to here. We can see how we're better off here because of it. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to look back on the road that God gave us as our life with all the potholes and the traffic jams and the detours and everything else. And we're going to be able to see how it brought us into, our, into his kingdom. God works through suffering to accomplish the goal of preparing us for his kingdom. Yes. So in understanding that concept and in understanding this verse, I want to look at three things today. First of all, we're going to go back to that word good. Mm-hmm. What is good? All right. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We need to understand what good is. We're going to talk about good. Secondly, we're going to see how God works everything together for our good. And then finally, we're going to see what our ultimate destiny is. Now, the idea behind all of this is to have the proper perspective on what we're going through in life. Now, this may bring you some comfort, but don't expect it to take all the pain away from you. That's an unrealistic expectation. Things are going to happen in your life. They're still going to hurt. You're still going to find discouragement. You're still going to experience heartbreak. Mm-hmm. The goal here is to understand it. That's right. And so that we can be at peace. Even though we're hurting, we can be at peace and we can have that proper perspective on mm-hmm. things. If your eyeball is hurting really bad, you want to go see a doctor because this is scary. Why is my eyeball hurting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're laying on the doctor's table and he's got a laser on your eye and he's reshaping your lens so that you can see clearly now you have perspective and so you can the, the pain isn't as scary then right? right that's what we're doing all right and so first let's talk about what is good we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called according to his purpose all right what is good we look at verse 28 in light of the rest of the chapter in romans chapter 8 and we see that good is being glorified with Christ. Amen. In other words, when Christ returns, we're called up to be with him. That's right. And when he is shining in his glory, we are shining with him. Mm-hmm. That is what good is. Amen. Good is standing before Jesus on judgment day, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. I hope I hear that. Yes, I hope I don't hear, Leland, man, you barely made it. 
Every one of my high school teachers told me that. Leland, you barely made it. At high school teachers, they were going to, they were going to, you're going to fail this six weeks, Leland. You're going to fail this. I know you, you didn't do your homework. You're going to fail this six weeks. I go in there, ace the six weeks exam. I made it. <laughs> 72, skin of my teeth. <laughs> I was telling, who was I talking to about college classes? I was talking to my dad. Um, I was talking about how I passed geology without taking the lab. I was enrolled in the lab. I didn't go to the lab. I took the test in geology, made A's. There were four exams, A's all four of them, I make an A in the classroom portion. I make a zero in lab because I never went. And it balanced out and I made a C. All right, I barely got by. I don't want to stand before Jesus and Jesus say, you barely got by. I've got to let you in on a technicality. You really think you belong here? I don't want to hear that from Jesus. No, what do you want to hear? You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, what do I got to do to be well done, good and faithful servant? What do I got to do to hear those words? What do I have to do to see Jesus smile when I walk into his court, when I walk into his throne room, when I walk into his presence? What do I have to do for Jesus to be happy with me? The good news is you don't have to figure that out. And the other good news is you don't really have to do it. That God will work the things into your life to bring you to that point. Taking accounting class, there's a portion of our online study called SmartBook. And if you do SmartBook, you're going to make 100 in SmartBook. Because SmartBook, like any good teacher, makes you do it over and over and over again until you get it right. So if I get the wrong answer, it tells me what the right answer is. It tells me what page to read in the textbook. And then it comes around and brings the, the, the question back to me. Getting it right quicker means you finish it quicker. But you're still going to get it right. Yeah. And so God works through our lives. And so that's what Romans 8.28 is teaching us. It's teaching us that all things are working together for your good. To bring you to that place where you're glorified with Christ. And where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. And you enter into his heaven. And you are in joy and goodness and peace and prosperity. And in the presence of Christ for the rest of eternity. And it never ends. Amen. That's good. Now, how do I know that that's what this Bible verse is talking about? Because we go back up to Romans 8, 17. It says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Amen. Here is the concept. Jesus Christ came to this earth. Yes. And he lived as a common manual laborer. Yes. The Bible says he was a carpenter. He made plows. He made tools. He built furniture. He made tables. He carved things. And he did it without power tools. So it was manual labor. And so Jesus worked with his hands. He worked hard with his hands. I'm going to tell you. Jesus was built physically. He worked hard. You ever work hard? You know what hard work is like? I do. I know I don't look like it. I know. And I do shy away from it when I can. But I know what hard work is. He suffered. The Bible teaches us that he began his ministry. When he was in his ministry, he didn't have a private jet like Kenneth Copeland. And he didn't stay in the Hilton like Jesse Duplantis. Jesus said the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's sleeping out on the ground most of the time. He walked everywhere. People rejected him. They despised him. They debated him. They called him an imposter. They called him a devil. They called him a demon. They... they, 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 uh, they, 
they accused him of having a devil. That's how he could cast out devils. And Jesus said, you're not even making any sense. And then they sent him to the cross. He suffered. Yeah. Jesus suffered. If Jesus suffered, what makes us think that we're too good to suffer? Yeah. Well, if we suffer with Jesus, we go through the pains of this life like Jesus went through the pains of this life. We make personal sacrifices out of love like Jesus made personal sacrifices out of love. We suffer with Jesus. Doesn't it follow that when he's glorified, we'll be glorified together with him? Amen. That's the biblical concept that is put forth in verse 17. If we suffer with him, we'll be glorified together with him. Going on to verse 18, he says, For I reckon, that's how he knew Paul was a Texan. <laughs> I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, this morning, you may be suffering. You may be hurting. There is a heartache happening. There is something happening in your life that has turned everything upside down, and you don't know how you're going to handle it. You don't know how you're going to survive it. That which is sacred to you is being ripped away. The, your your longtime spouse, the love of your life is in poor health. Your longtime companion has been taken away. I find that this is more, most common when we're dealing with death and bereavement and illness issues. Finances are a part of it as well. Um, you know, maybe... You work for the Conestoga wagon manufacturer, and they don't make those anymore, so they have to shut the factory down. What are you going to do with your life now? The bank repos the farm. Um, you know, the uh, computers teach radio companies that they don't need DJs anymore. You know, I mean, whatever happens, you know, so that can be part of it as well. But you're going through suffering, you're going through heartache, you're going through pain. But verse 18 comforts us and tells us, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen. There was a movie came out several years ago called Necessary Roughness. And in the final, it's, it's, it's your typical sports movie. These guys don't know how to play. They learn how to play the game over the course of the season. There's a big game at the end, and the heroes win the big game, and everybody learns their lesson happily ever after, right? Every sports movie ever made. I'll preach about the Hallmark movies next week. That's also the same movie every, ever made. But there's a scene in the final scenes. This movie's 25 years old, so there's no spoiler alerts here. Um, there's a scene in the final portion of the movie where they're getting ready to go for that last drive to make that last touchdown to win the big game. And these guys are beat up. They're worn out. They're hurting. They're bleeding. And one of the guys says, how many timeouts do we have left? And the quarterback says three. And the guy says, can we take them all now? <laughs> and the quarterback says, look, I'm, I realize you're hurting. But if we get in that end zone, you're not going to feel any pain. The day comes when God will welcome us into his heaven. You're not going to feel any pain that That's day. Right. Right. And the glories of heaven, the glories of his kingdom, and the glory that will be revealed in you, and the glorification that God will give you, you're not even going to be thinking about it. That's the right. sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's not even worth comparing or talking about. One time when Brian and I were on the air together, Brian told me a story about how he ate at this restaurant in Kenya, just down the just up the river from the falls. And, you know, the Serengeti's right there. And there's a, there's a mountain, there's a famous mountain there. He's just painting this wonderful picture of this restaurant he ate at there in Kenya during a mission trip. And if there were monkeys in the trees around this restaurant, and he was getting to see the monkeys and everything. And he says, you ever experience anything like that? And I said, I once ate at a McDonald's in Monterey, California. <laughs> Not even in the same league, huh? R Ryan says, okay, I own you on this one. But you can't compare 
eating lunch at a fancy restaurant in the Serengeti with monkeys and waterfalls and mountains to eating on the patio of the McDonald's in Monterey, California. <laughs> nah. They're not in the same league. Yeah. All right, if you come up and you talk to me about how great the Dallas Cowboys are, I say, yeah, the Cowboys are great. But how about those San Antonio Commanders uh, <laughs> Alliance of American football teams? They're not even the same league. How do you do that? You say, I like the Rangers. And I say, I like the White Sands Pupfish. What's that? It's minor league team in Alamogordo, New Mexico. They're not even the same league. You can't compare those. The sufferings of this present time are not even the same league as the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Yes. Verses 19 through 22 talk about seeing the creation restored. That's good. And then in verse 23, we see that being rescued from this world and being welcomed into God's presence is good. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We are looking forward to being rescued from this world and being received into his presence forever. That's what good is. And all things are working together for that good so that we can hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what good is. We have problems in this world. Problems are temporary, and problems are also the default. To live is to suffer. To live is to have problems. You think you got problems? There's not a single person living in any other country of the world that wouldn't trade places with you. We got problems. I'm I'm not trying to run that down. We're all right, though. But to suffer is to live. To live is to suffer. That's just the default. It's just the way life is. So if you're suffering, Peter said, don't think that something strange has happened to you. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) All right. But good is being rescued from all this and into God's kingdom. Now, why does God work everything together for our good? Why Why is all this happening the way it is? Why is God putting up so much to refine us? Why is God continuing to work in our lives? The first answer is because he loves us. Yes. Because he loves us. Verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he did foreknow, there's a word for you, to foreknow, that's to know beforehand, foreknowledge. But it also carries with it the notion of love or the notion of loving concern. God foreknew you. He knew you before you ever were. But not only when I say he knew you, he didn't just know your stats and figures. Right? I can know Dak Prescott's stats. I can tell you everything there is to know about Dak Prescott. I can't, but if I could. I could tell you that he's from Louisiana. I can tell you that he played for Mississippi State. I saw him play for Mississippi State when they played LSU. I knew from watching that game he was going to be a big deal in the NFL. Nobody else saw it. I did. That game against LSU, he did whatever he wanted to do on that field. He got drafted by Dallas in the fourth round. I said, there's the future of the franchise. Mark and Brian at work, they made fun of me. It's a fourth round draft. A quarterback draft in the fourth round doesn't take the league by storm. They were wrong. 
I can quote you his quarterback efficiency rating. I can tell you about the touchdowns versus interceptions. I can tell you about how many times he's led the team from behind. I, we can talk about all this stuff. I know all about that Prescott. But do I know him? Am I going to give my life for him? Am I going to give him any of my money? Am I going to let him live in my house? Am I going to? No. No. I know about him, but I don't know him. He don't know me either. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, God knew you beforehand. He knew more than your name, who you'd be born to, what you'd grow up to do, who you'd grow up to be, what all would happen. This foreknowledge carried with it his loving concern for you. How can I prove that biblically? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth from the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet before the nations. Before Jeremiah was ever created, God already knew him. And he loved him and he set him aside to be a prophet for Israel. You think he loves you any less? He may love you more because you didn't have to be a prophet to Israel during the captivity. We're in a better place here, trust me. He knew Jeremiah. He loved Jeremiah. He knew you. He loves you. He loves you. And so that's why he did it. God also wants a big family. Verse 29 says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, heaven is not going to be an exquisite, exclusive country club for the elite. God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Therefore, whom God did foreknow, whom God knew would respond and join his family, he predestinated. He worked things in, those, in their lives and our lives to bring us to a point of salvation and transform us into the people that he intended us to be. Therefore, all things work together for our good. So what's our ultimate destiny? Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called and whom he called, them he also justified and whom he justified, them he also glorified. God foreknew you. He knew you before you ever were. He loved you before you ever were. He planned your salvation, sent Jesus to die on the cross before you ever were. He foreknew you, and so he predestinated you. And as he predestinated you, he, did, he brought things into your life to bring you to a decision, to set you up. To accept him or to reject him. And when he brought you to that point, he called you. He called you to salvation. Yes. Have you responded to that call? I can go back through my life and I can, I, can, I can lay it out and I can see what God was doing. I was born into a Christian family. That was a blessing. They, they took me to church every time the church doors opened. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Sunday school. Uh, you remember Baptist training? You know, it was like Sunday school, but in the evenings. We did that. Wednesday night church. If there was a revival that week, help me. We had to go every single night. Yes. All right. <laughs> that wore you out. But there was a potluck, so it was okay. I, through the church, I got enrolled in the Galileans program, which was a young men's training, training young men and high school and adolescent boys to be future leaders of the church. Mm -hmm. I learned church doctrine. I learned church uh, polity, not politics, but polity, how church governs itself. I learned all these, these fundamentals and all these basics and all these advancements and everything else. Learned the scriptures in depth. I still didn't know Jesus as my Savior. 
So I go on to high school. I go on to college. I graduated high school. And having graduated high school, I graduated church. I didn't have to be anywhere for anybody else anymore. I could go where I wanted to go. And on Sunday morning, I'm sleeping. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so I started living like the devil. But even during that time, God always had a way of putting people in my life. People who would, come on, Leland, go to church with us just this Sunday. Evangelists that would knock on my door. College ministries directors. When I went to Stephen F. Austin, do you know my grandparents had the audacity to contact the, the director of the Association of Baptist Students and say, my grandson's on that campus, he's an apartment seller. So you know what that guy did? He came and knocked on my door and told me I should come to the ABS meetings on Tuesday nights. They have pizza. All right, we'll go with pizza. Do you know who I met at the Association of Baptist Students? She's in Mississippi this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to straighten up. She's nice. I like her. I'm going to straighten up. I'm, I started going to church a lot. I'd go pick her up, take her to church. We're going to church. We're, yeah, I'm, I'm a good boy now. Yeah. The things a man will do, right, Brother Wayman? And we got married. And I'm doing the church thing. I've, I've, I've quit drinking. I still smoked a little bit. But I quit drinking. I quit all the stuff I did. And I'm, I'm on the straight and narrow. And we're married and I'm walking the line. It never was good enough for her. She's just like, there's something wrong with you. You know, you're, 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 you're doing the church thing. You're living the, the Christian life on the surface. But you're, it, it's not inside you. And I called her judgmental and every bad word I could have. We had the most epic fight of all times. I mean, we're talking Jerry Springer without the chairs. No, no chairs were thrown. No domestic violence, just a, a lot of yelling. And so she just decided she wasn't going to talk about it no more. She's made her commitment. She's married to me. I'm a jerk. She said God's going to punish her for the rest of her life. That's the way she, she, that's the way she settled in. And so we had this little girl. Her name was Rachel. Y'all might have met her. And <laughs> Rachel's two. And Jessica's working Sunday mornings at McDonald's, among other mornings. And Jessica says, just, just make sure our daughter gets to church. Okay, I'll make sure our daughter gets to church. So Sunday morning, I'd wake up, put a little dress on Rachel, brush her hair. There you go. Get her in the car, drive her down to the church, let her out. My grandmother would be on the front steps of the church. Rachel would go and meet my grandmother. My grandmother would take her in the church and then Granny would bring her home sometime in the afternoon after they'd gone to McDonald's and bought a Happy Meal. And that was life for a few years. And Jessica and I, we had had another discussion. And it was a Saturday night, November 2002. I'm in my bedroom and I'm just like, this woman is crazy. And God said, yeah, and you're sorry. Yeah. Pardon me? And God, I'm not hearing voices, by the way, but this is on my heart. Right. There's a limit to my crazy. Yeah. And he said, you, you grew up in the church. You know the truth. You know what the Bible says. You know, you, you, you know, you're well-educated. You know, but you've rejected. And you're not even making sure your family's taken care of in that regard. You're horrible. And that night, he called me to salvation. I fell on my knees, and I prayed to the Lord to forgive me for my sins and to save my soul, and he did. And I went to the church the next day, and I was baptized. And then they started putting me to work, and I'm directing Bible school. Next thing you know, I'm youth director. Then God calls me to ministry, and it got really crazy from there. But he calls you. Yes. 
So whom he foreknew, he predestinated. Who he predestinated, he called. Have you received the call? Have you responded to the call? Salvation is a new birth. It's an experience. It's a moment of conversion. It's a decision. Have you made that decision? And when you respond to the call, he justifies you. And being justified, he will glorify you. Yes. And he's working to bring you to that point. Yes. The question is, are you letting him or are you resisting this? I've had that conversation quite a bit. Yeah. Are you resisting what God's doing in your life? Or are you allowing him to do it? Yes. Will you respond to the call or will you reject it? If you follow that call, you respond to it. You allow him to work in your life. Amen. Verse 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's right. We're going through all this stuff. We're afraid that the world is going to destroy us, that we're going to lose everything. God's for you. That's right. Who can be against you? That's right. See, as we wrap this up, verses 32 through 34 say, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Amen. The Bible teaches us that Christ died and he suffered to purchase our salvation. He went through things that you and I cannot even imagine in order to purchase our salvation. Are we That's too good right. to suffer with him? Is it a small thing that he came down from heaven and went through everything in order to save us? And can we bear it a little bit longer? He suffered to purchase our salvation. If God loved us so much that he allowed Christ to suffer to purchase our salvation, the Bible says, shall he not also freely give us all things? Yes. So where is the Jeep if he's going to freely give us all things? <laughs> now, I thought that your love for Brother Frank's Jeep was kind of silly, and then Brother Frank gave me a ride one day. <laughs> I, I don't want your Jeep, but I'd like to buy one like it sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, if God shall freely give us all things, where's the house? Yeah. I need another bedroom. I need a couple more bathrooms. Where is that? If I, yes, I, I, I concur. Um, if God freely gives us all things, where's the big time job with the six figure paycheck and the expense account? And the executive assistant that does all the real work so I don't have to. Where is all this stuff? Guys, Compared to what Jesus went through for us? That's right. What is a Jeep? That's right. What is a house? What is a job? That's right. What is a boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> wife, husband? What is all that? It's nothing compared to what Jesus did for That's us. That's right. If okay. God sent Christ to die on the cross for our sins, Amen. and he's freely going to give us all things, guys, that's not the chicken feed. Compared to what God really wants to give us. Amen. Y'all ever watch game shows and somebody gets all excited about winning some prize and does really? Like the price is right. <laughs> yeah. All right, behind this door is a new car and a vacation to Italy and a new house and a golf club membership at this, you know, prestigious golf club. Over here we have the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> 
You'd feel pretty funny if the contestant said they wanted the Jelly of the Month Club instead, right? We got all this other stuff over here. What Christ did for us on the cross is so much more than cars and houses and finances and the earthly blessings of this time and being able to go through a day without having something stress you out. Even that's a small price compared to what Christ did for Amen. us. Yeah. If God gave Christ to purchase our salvation, wouldn't he also freely give us all things? Yes. And so you can trust him. The question is, do you know him? Yes. He knows you. Do you know him? Have you answered that call and made that decision to repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? What do I mean by repent? I mean, have you realized and accepted the fact that your sin is sin against God? That's right. And so you're making a change. You're changing your mind. You're saying, that's not what I want anymore. Nope. I want what God has to offer. <coughs> that's all that is. It doesn't mean you never sin again. What it means is your attitude towards sin, your desire for sin changes. Yes. Have you repented and trusted Jesus mm -hmm. Christ as your personal Savior? And if you have not, then the only way to cash in on the blessings I've talked about this morning is to make that decision. That's right. Let's stand. We'll have the, again, the first and last verse of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.